Hello, everyone, and welcome to Failure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my third episode of Failure. I'm here with Dr. Ben Dyson. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. So I'm an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta, and I use um, behavioral and electrophysiological recording to look at decision-making and The way we do that is we often use simple games to look at the complex ways in which people make decisions. Okay, that sounds pretty interesting. How did you get to this point in your life? Completely by accident, I would say. The setting is that we, the lab started getting interested in decision making probably about 10 years ago now. Uh, So what used to happen in our lab is, so we fortunate enough to have some graduate students. And what we would have is we would talk about a paper and then we would have individual meetings. So I would ask the individual graduate students about their performance. And what happened one day was that none of the graduate students wanted to talk about their performance. No one wanted to go first. So they played a game of rock, paper, scissors to decide who was gonna be the unfortunate person to go first. We started talking about the decisions that they went into to decide what they thought they were going to play. And one of the graduate students had a prediction about what the other student would play and then tried to counter that. And then we spent the rest of the lab meeting not doing anything but talking about rock, paper, scissors. And for such a simple game, it has really, really complicated dynamics. And I found that really fascinating. We sort of mapped everything out. And so one of the things that is really interesting about rock, paper, scissors, I think, is that there is a way that you should play, but there are some really strong impulses that we have really interferes with your ability to be random. And these biases or these like heuristics that you feel as though you might have to do and how well you can control those things. So it turns out that uh, when people lose, they're much more predictable than when they win. I didn't know that actually at all. It's, it's, it's what we've been finding in the uh, using the game. And uh, there's a lot of literature uh, surrounding that, uh, like the idea that when, you, when you're in a state of failure, it seems kind of intuitive that you want to remove yourself as quickly as possible from that state. No one likes experiencing loss. So what happens, at least on the basis of our data, is that you make the next decision faster. But what that does is that is a poorer quality decision because you spend less time thinking about what you should be doing. Your uh, idea is like you're so concerned about not being a loser anymore that you jump into the next action, but that actually makes you more predictable and more likely to lose again. So it's you might generate a cycle of this predictable losing behavior. Do you think that that can be generalized to things outside of rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, so I think uh, there's a concept called chasing in a lot of the gambling literature. What you might do, or or there are certain so-called strategies that aren't good strategies and these are not recommended, but what you can observe is that like if you're playing roulette, for example, and you lose 10 books, you lay down 20 books on the next gamble to try and recoup the 10 that you lost and you lose again, and then you have to put 40 down, then 80, then 160. So that's the idea of like chasing, right? The losses make you bet more and more and more. It's not a good strategy. 
not recommended. People do not have an infinite amount of money. In the context of something like teaching or learning, that's kind of difficult, right? Because if you're learning something for the first time, you have to expect to fail at some point. With learning it? Absolutely awful at it. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing at all. So I have to kind of prepare to fail. Okay. Right? Yeah. But we're sort of thinking in the lab that that might actually help that normalization of failure, or at least not having it as such a negative event. You have to fail to learn, but no one likes failing. So how do you get, how do you help people to learn, but try to reduce that effect of the experience of failure? Because that can put people off, right? So yeah. in the context of something like higher education, you might receive a mark that is lower than you would have liked for a particular assignment. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense in which you might have failed or mm -hmm. an impression that you might have failed, but hopefully there's a lot of information about how you would do better for next time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what you're doing wrong to do better, but no one likes the experience of doing something wrong. I, that was one of my questions for in the context of university, yeah. how you view failure kind of surrounding GPA or the expectation to find a career out of university. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Uh, like in terms of not getting a GPA that you want or? In terms of just not meeting the expectations for doing well in a course. Mm. Maybe not specific to the word GPA. Yeah, so I think there are, there can be ways in which you maybe design a course where you build in some safe failure, right? So, so as an example in, uh, I teach 104, which is basic psychological processes. And there are six quizzes during that uh, course, but it's the case that this, I will automatically drop the uh, worst scoring grade uh, of uh, one of those six. Mm -hmm. So only five of those six go towards the final grade. And that was an idea that I got from uh, Dr. Haywood, uh, who is also in this department. It's a great idea. So what that does is that you, you have like a safety net, right? It's like, well, it's okay if I kind of bomb a little bit on this one because that's like my safety net. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I didn't do so well on that, but it has no consequence to my final grade. So, so that, so there are ways in which like teachers and instructors can try to build in those, uh, safe failures. Okay. That's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's my thoughts on that? Any thoughts are okay. Sure. Uh, so not being where you want to be. I, th I think knowing that is a good, is actually a good thing. So if you know that you're not happy or you're not comfortable somewhere, that is at least the first step in maybe doing something about it, right? Mm. So figuring out kind of what are the things that I might need to improve or what are the skills that I might need or what, are the, what do I need to do to get me closer to where I would like to be? Okay. So in like, you know, uh, that kind of experience of like, you know, failure, I suppose, or like, I'm not quite where I am, where I need to be, sort of have to have that in order to, to do better, right? If you, I, 
what wouldn't be so great, I think, is if you fooled yourself into thinking that everything is rosy and this is as good as I'll get or I'm, you mm-hmm. know, right? Yeah. So I think it's important to know your strengths and your weaknesses and then to be able to do something about your weaknesses when you can. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty good answer. We'll see. I, th- I think. <laughs> yeah. So can we get a little bit more personal? If that... Yeah, we'll see how, we'll okay. see how that goes. Uh, I'm just wondering about a time in your life when you failed to meet your own expectations or someone else's expectations. Right, yeah. I mean, I, su- I, I suppose a fairly regular example for me would mm-hmm. be when uh, we try and publish work from the lab, right? Right. So what we do is, you know, you can spend months or years on a project and you write it up the best way that you can you can present the data in the clearest way you can and you try and point out all these uh, advances that you've made or the connections with the literature and you send it out to review and somebody says this is terrible mm. this is not going to be published hey, i'm paraphrasing yeah but yeah. you know you so you can have work that you've worked on for months or years uh what we would call like desk rejected it's like I'm not even going to send this out for the review. This is not good enough for our journal, Mm. or this is inappropriate, or it might get sent out for review and your colleagues or your uh, anonymous colleagues think that the work is very bad and the manuscript is rejected. So that's something that uh, I'll speak for myself that is somewhat regular, right? It's not always the case that a manuscript will be accepted. So that's, that's, that's a fairly frequent example of, you know, I, I think this is good, but mm-hmm. other people might not have the same expectations as me. And that that took a long time to get normalized, I think, mm-hmm. to sort of not have that. I still, I still get pretty annoyed, I think, if I get a review that I don't think is justified. Yeah. But uh, hopefully with more exposure to that, it kind of seems like, oh, okay, actually, you know, once the mist has cleared, it's like they actually kind of did make some good points and maybe we didn't explain that very well or maybe we should have done another experiment to kind of rule mm. out that particular thing. So, again, there's like that initial negative emotional reaction, mm-hmm. but there are also those building blocks for making things better. Mm-hmm. You've got to like try and pull those apart if you can. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? that's how you maybe approach failure in general with that kind of attitude i think i'd like to do that Mm. (laughs) so it's always interesting what people study right Mm -hmm. like why do you get so interested in failing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's like if you have a problem with failing dr dyson is that is that why you're studying so so i think yeah i mean i you know i get annoyed if you know things don't turn out the way or I let people down or those or, or those kinds of things. So I think there are like roads to learning in in failure. But I think like the 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 feedback that you get has to be of a constructive nature, right? I mm-hmm. mean there, there's certainly cases where, you know, uh, meanness or like cruelty or those kind of I mean that's that you don't get anything from that, right? And mm-hmm. it's like it's an inappropriate form of feedback, but there are if the feedback is constructive yeah, there are things that you uh, you do. And another example that I just thought about, actually, mm-hmm. is uh, during the pandemic, I started to try and design uh, games. 
And but this has been something that I've just done in isolation, right? Yeah. And now I'm kind of really worried about now show I think this game's really good, right? I think yeah. it plays really great, it's fun. And then you give it to someone and it's like, this is terrible and boring, right? Right. It's like you want feet you want feedback about how to make things better, but you're always worried about that initial negative reaction. About kind of what other people are gonna think or yes. say about it? Yeah. Do you think that plays a big part in like making decisions in general, kind of what other people are going or how they're going to react to it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could because I think then it might stop you from doing things, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, if there's a, so it stays kind of in your cupboard or, you know, your painting just stays in the attic or your, you know, your creative writing stays on your, on your computer or on your drawer or something. So, there's always a, you know, that risk of what other people think and how that might, lost my train of thought. How that might affect you or? Or how it might stop you from doing things that you actually enjoy right. as well. I don't think so, no. I, I Again, I like uh, the advice that I always see from people who are trying to be creative is, or artistic is like, don't worry, just do something for yourself to mm -hmm. start with. Like, don't worry, you know, don't expect that it will make you rich or give you popularity or it will be accepted or it will be praised. Just mm. the starting point is to do something for yourself. Mm. And that is good enough. Anything else is a bonus after that. So for you, I guess, like personally, how do you approach new things regardless of, I guess, the advice from artists or like what you would like to do? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I moved over here, for example, um, probably about five years ago now and I was living in the UK. So the idea of like doing new things, I mean, sometimes you have to do new things because your circumstances require it, right? So like, here was an opportunity to move as it turns out back to Canada, but I would leave you know, uh, the UK, uh, where I was, uh, you know, I was born, move away from uh, my family, you know, try to make some new friends here, find somewhere to live again, you know, all, mm -hmm. all, all those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. it's sometimes you just have to do it, right? Even though, you know, I might be, you know, I don't often actively seek those kinds of things on a day to day basis, but if there are if there are opportunities that surround why you're moving to this new place, then yeah, sure, why not hmm. try something new and uh, with the expectation that you won't get everything right the first time. Okay. Do you want to elaborate on that expectation? Um, yes. I mean, so just in terms of let's think. I mean, the the first time that you you teach a new course, for example, right? So there's no way often to test how you think the material will go, right? So you, mm. you know, you might spend the summer preparing for a new course, you have all these new lectures, all this new material, you've had ideas for like demonstrations and how you want the course to run, but you don't actually know how it will run until it's running. So if you have, if you have in the back of the mind that the course must be perfect, Mm -hmm. then that might that might cause problems in the way it's getting delivered. You might become 
anxious as the semester goes because it's not going as well as you thought it would. Right. But to have like a maybe a more realistic expectation about, you know, and this is why sometimes, you know, the getting feedback from students is good because students can uh, more candidly tell you the things that they thought were good and the things that they thought were bad, or at least having more input. And that's also why we have things like uh, teaching observation. Mm. You know, you have someone sit in and a colleague will, again, candidly tell you how well they think the session went, what things were working, what things were not working. Okay. Yeah. So... I guess feedback. Yeah. I think it seems to be a common like theme with you, like feedback from or constructive feedback from others. Yeah, I mean, this is what we study in the lab. We study how people react to feedback and uh, what you do to recover from negative feedback. What advice would you give someone who has recently failed to meet their own expectations? So I would say realize that there are like a number of components there, right? So it, there is the way that you feel about that, mm -hmm. which is probably negative and not so great. Mm -hmm. But that is often separate from those little kind of learning uh, from those little nuggets that you can take about, okay, so next time I'm going to do this. So like intermixed with all that negativity, there are often things that you can do to do better next time. And it's just realizing that, you know, you might be upset or you might be angry or, you know, you might be really annoyed at a reviewer who said your work was trash. But, you know, once that clears, mm -hmm. there are some steps for progress there and don't throw away the steps just because you're feeling like angry. Okay. Uh, did you always approach it this way or has maybe your views around failing things changed over time? Um, I would say as you get older, you have more opportunity to fail in lots of different avenues. Okay. So uh, I think normalizing or trying to expect a little bit of failure is okay. I okay. would say, yeah. So there, you know, uh, there are people or researchers who study like perfectionism, mm -hmm. right? So these are, you know, uh, individuals who would always wish to do the very best that they could and not and not fail, you know. And the degree to which you know people can do that, mm -hmm. right? it's like a it's a it's a big ask, I think, you know. But on the on the other spectrum, if you're always expecting to fail all the time, that's also not good for you, right? right. So you need to, you know, uh, to progress think about succeeding more than you fail, but when you do trip yourself up, think about what's gonna happen next time that might help you. Okay. How would you define failure right now? I think it can be internal and external. Okay. So you can get some very clear external feedback about not doing as well as you thought, mm -hmm. but also you can think, you know, you can do something really well, but you're so critical of yourself, you might think that it wasn't as good as you could have done, or you're not willing to accept the success. Right, right. right. So, you know, that might be uh, modesty or, you know, uh, depreciating self-image or something, but uh, sometimes your own sense of failure can come from yourself, even though you did great. 
Do you think that's an important thing to take into consideration when you look at the things that you've done that maybe you thought, like, I guess, like, how do I word this? Like looking at the things that you've done as an individual, do you think that's an important thing to keep in mind your own voice, I guess, critiquing yourself? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you could say like, you can, you know, control the way you criticize yourself, but mm -hmm. you might not be able to control the way others criticize you. Right. You know, in, in constructive ways, right? So often it's like, ah, you know, well, you know, I applied for a grant. I thought it was really good, did the best that I could. It didn't get funded, but, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there was anything else I could have done mm -hmm. at that point with everything else going on mm -hmm. for those specific months that really would have made that any better. So we'll just try again later. So that I guess that's a way of controlling or like thinking about your own values and expectations okay. and controlling them or thinking about them appropriately and acknowledging that sometimes you can't control the feedback that you get from others. Okay. I have one question that seems a little bit ominous okay. to me. I'll brace myself. Um, it's kind of what would you do if you lost everything everything kind of being whatever you would define it in your own mind like whatever holds the most importance to you like something that you've kind of worked for like yeah hmm. that is an ominous question um if i was able to i think i would stop for a while like, I think that I can only imagine what that feels like. And I think I would need quite a lot of time to think about what would happen next. Okay. Yeah. That is a fairly nebulous answer, I think, but. Okay. So just kind of stopping and thinking about if I had the space to do, right. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had the space to do so, uh, yeah, you would want to reevaluate things. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then this might be my last question. Okay. It's kind of what are your plans for the future? In terms of like things that you would want or like how you would define maybe success? Hmm, okay. Well, the one thing, one of the things I'm really excited about in the lab at the moment is getting people to be bad on purpose. Okay. 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 So I say a lot of our research is based around sort of gameplay. And uh, there are two examples that come to mind. I'm going to completely blank on the individual's name, but there was a tennis player who deliberately played badly. And there was also a UK comedian called Les Dawson, who was an excellent piano player. But when he was on stage, he would deliberately play the piano badly for comic effect. So what that tells us is that sometimes you can express your success through failure by deliberately doing bad things at the kind of the right time. 
So what we're actually doing in the lab is we've designed some of these games, but what we're telling people to do is not to do as well as possible, but to do as poorly as possible. Try to lose as much as you can, as opposed to win as much as you can. But in order to lose as much as you can, you still need to know how to win the game. So, you know, if, uh, go back to like rock, paper, scissors, right? If uh, I was playing rock a whole bunch, right? You would, and you had to lose as much as you could, you would deliberately play scissors the whole time instead of mm. paper. So what we're finding in the lab though, is that when you set your expectation to do as badly as possible, your performance is as good as it is when you're trying to do as well as you can. Right? So there's not anything so bad about losing. What seems to be the case is that you have this expectation of winning. So when there mm -hmm. is a disconnect between what you're expecting and what you get, that's when the problem arises. And in most things that we do, we have an expectation of success, right? So failure might not be, or our thought is failure might not be inherently negative, might not always cause a negative state. It's the strength or the belief that you have in that you're going to do well. So let's scrap all that. Let's try and normalize failure. And let's look at how people express performance and strategies and by doing as well as possible, but by deliberately doing as poorly as possible. And that's super interesting, I think, because what that's doing is that's allowing people to fail, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems as though the performance that you get when you're intentionally like self-sabotaging yourself in these games, right? So it's, uh, is you do, you do pretty well, like you can play around and you can be the worst player, uh, that you can be. And that might give us some hope or some insight into failure, not being like a completely negative state, but more to do with the challenges and the expectations that you have. Okay. That's pretty interesting, I think, <laughs> especially since it directly relates to this. Right. So that's nice. Good. Uh, I think that's everything. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to everyone else for listening.